This is Play by Playcast. Is that faster than a greyhound? The podcast about play by play guys. For play by play guys, by I'm told, a play by play guy. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for him. Now, here's the host of Play by Playcast, Todd Bodet. <laughs> Wait, the Motel 6 guy? We'll leave the light on for you. No, Joel Godet. Joe Godet. Joel. Joe. Joel? Joel, with an L. Okay. Here's your host, Joel Godet. Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. It is the podcast about play-by-play broadcasters for play-by-play broadcasters. Hosted by a play-by-play broadcaster. My name is Joel Gadette. Welcome into the pod, everybody. It's a professional development podcast that dives into the tips, tricks, process, experience, stories, and preparations of some of the biggest and best play-by-play announcers in the business. This is PXPCast. You can find it on social media at PXPCast. I'm at Joel Godet, J-O-E-L-G-O-D-E-T-T. Or as always, you can shoot me an email, J-G-O-D-E-T-T, B-S-U dot E-D-U for Ball State University at B-S-U dot E-D-U. And if you have a second to throw a rating and or a review our way, that would be much appreciated too. Our guest on episode 126 is Tom Galerder, affectionately known as Tommy G., in his inner circle. <laughs> Tommy G has been uh, the voice of FC Cincinnati, the future MLS soccer franchise since its inception. And before that was the voice for nearly a decade of the University of Cincinnati women's basketball. Um, and was kind of uh, Dan Horde's uh, right-hand man, so to speak. Did a lot of work on Cincinnati's television shows, coaches shows, uh, filled in. Uh, from time to time, did sidelines for Cincinnati football, uh, and then parlayed that into a host of other um, network gigs uh, in and around the country. So we'll, we'll touch on everything that Tommy G has done in his career. Uh, but his story is so much more than that. And that is why I'm excited for you to hear this conversation today. Because Tommy G, and he'll say this when he talks to you here in a couple seconds, uh, if you would have told him six years ago, Four years ago, three years ago, you are going to be the voice of an MLS franchise. You're going to be doing professional soccer play-by-play for a living. Probably wouldn't have believed you. Um, he had done soccer before. Uh, he, he worked at Akron, which is a soccer powerhouse, uh, before he was at Cincinnati. Uh, he, he'd done some soccer through various different channels. But it wasn't like the forefront... I'm going to be a soccer broadcaster. I'm going to be a soccer broadcaster. Whatever happens, I'm going to be a soccer broadcaster. He got into that role on a unique path because he left Cincinnati to start his own business. It's called Fourth Floor Creative. They do a ton of creative videos, intro videos, promos, commercials uh, for college teams, pro teams, and they do a whole bunch of video work for non-sports-related entities as well. Uh, But he starts his own production company and... That really changed, obviously, his life and the trajectory of his career as well. Um, So not only is he a broadcaster now, but he's also a small business owner and an executive producer of the broadcast he is the play-by-play voice for. So Tommy G has a really interesting perspective coming at this from a lot of different angles. And as we say so many times on this podcast, there is no one way to get to where you are. And Tom Glairder on episode number 126 of this pod gives us like version number 126 of how to get to the job that you have. Tommy G uh, has uh, been a friend of mine since I was in college. 
Uh, he first introduced me to Grater's ice cream on a road trip to Cincinnati several years ago. Uh, he is an awesome dude, and I was happy uh, that we could make time to have him on episode 126. So here he is, the voice of FC Cincinnati, a phenomenally supported soccer team. And that's the reason they're going into the MLS next year. Um, FC Cincinnati is an experience. I've not been to a game, but I've seen pictures and I've seen video, and it's bonkers. Uh, Tommy brings that all to life on a game-to-game basis. Here he is, Tommy G on PXP Cast. What do you do? So let's start there. Describe what you do um, and, huh. and, and how you weave it all together. It's complicated, right? Uh, <laughs> I, think, I think probably most people you talk to uh, on this podcast, it's complicated because getting into broadcasting isn't easy. Being in broadcasting isn't easy. And we've all heard the tales of people who worked four jobs to get where they are or still work four jobs or, you know, have worked hard to find opportunities and create opportunities. And, uh, you know, I certainly believe that, that I'm cut from that cloth and have appreciated every opportunity along the way and have worked really hard to get where I am. So at this point, um, I do, I am the play by play voice of FC Cincinnati, of course, the USL team that's making the leap to major league soccer in 2019. So that'll start very soon. And, you know, I'm, I'm excited about three years as a professional soccer play by play voice. Never really envisioned that. Can't say I dreamt, uh, growing up of, of being a soccer play by play voice, but, but things change and, uh, you know, here we are, and it's been a great opportunity. I did soccer when I first got to the University of Cincinnati. I moved to the Queen City in 2006, and I did soccer um, at the University of Cincinnati back then. And before I came to UC, when I was working at the University of Akron, I did soccer there, and they're the number one team in the country. And so I do have a lot of soccer experience, and, and, and that goes back to, hey, whatever game you have for me, I will call it. And so when the opportunity came around in, in 2016 to take over for FC Cincinnati. I, I did that, and, and that was a great opportunity. I've enjoyed every minute of it, and uh, fortunate to be in that chair. And then I do various play-by-play opportunities whenever they come for college football, college basketball, ESPNU, ESPN3, Fox Sports Ohio, and whomever else will, will give me an opportunity. Well, it's not just that, too, because you also, you know, you, you said a lot of people put opportunities together. Most of us don't just start opportunities though um so so take me through the the do we call it a side job that you have too <laughs> is it uh, I, at this point it's it's a good question which one's my side job my mom <laughs> likes to remind me that i now have two full-time jobs maybe three even because yeah you know i, I mentioned working at the university of cincinnati that was a great opportunity i was there for nine years and i was ready for something different i'd made a lot of contacts and I decided I was going to start my own video creative firm. So in April of 2015, I resigned my position at UC and I had gotten a lot of great television play-by-play opportunities while I was there. Some I lost because I was a university employee and uh, some I probably gained via my experience there, but I, I was ready for something different. I needed a new challenge. So I walked away from UC in 2015 and I decided I was going to be an entrepreneur and I started a video production business. We do video creative for professional sports teams. We do video creative for college teams, for college conferences and corporations uh, in Cincinnati and around the country. We've literally worked from coast to coast. We added UConn this year. We worked with the West Coast Conference um, and, and schools everywhere in between Georgia, Tennessee, 
Cincinnati, Xavier, NKU, University of Akron, and create high-quality videos. So you see the intro videos that, that come on the screen at the beginning of a basketball game or a college football game. Those are, we are making here in shop. Um, and then we do video headshots, TV commercials, and everything else. So that opportunity came about, and I started the business. And honestly, at that point, I was a little frustrated with broadcasting. Uh, I hadn't, I as I mentioned, I had lost some games because I worked at UC, some mm. high-level ESPN broadcast that I was scheduled for, and was taken off because I was a UC employee. That that other schools complained that well, this guy, if he's calling a game and it involves the Bearcats, he's not going to call it fair. And which is you know which that, is baloney. Completely ludicrous. If anything, I'm going to make sure it's the most fair match I've ever called. It's going to be the most anti-UC match ever. Yeah, like like, you're going to lean so far the other way. Sing the UC fight song (laughs) during the broadcast because if I do that, and and you know as well as I do, the coordinating producers are never calling you again if they think that you're calling the match or the broadcast, uh, the game, whatever it is, unfair. And. So I was very cognizant of that. I'd done games involving UC. I did a game involving UC against St. John's, one of the years when St. John's was really bad. It was when Coach Lavin was sick, and, and he had missed a bunch of games, and they had a terrible start to league play. They hadn't won a game in a while. They hadn't won a league game yet, and they won on a buzzer beater at Fifth Third Arena. That's a huge moment for St. John's, and I called it like a huge moment for St. John's. So much so that someone I know who worked at St. John's, te- who was watching in New York, texted me and said, you did a great job. That was a huge moment for us. And so I was proud of that. That's my job, right? If you're mm. getting paid by ESPN or Fox or whomever, you're getting paid by ESPN or Fox. It doesn't matter where you make your money the rest of the week. And it, it was disappointing. I was genuinely really frustrated about you know having games taken off the schedule. You know, you work so hard to get those opportunities to be on national TV. And then a coordinating producer calls you and tells you, you know what, I'm taking you off and I'm not giving you any more this year. Mm-hmm. Like that's a big blow. And and I was actually ready at one point to walk away from broadcasting altogether. And very few people know that. And and I called, you know, uh, a mutual friend of ours, Adam Amin, and t- I, my plan was to tell Adam, like, I'm done with the broadcasting. I'm just going to concentrate on the business. And for whatever reason, probably because Adam does 600 games a year, he didn't answer. And when he called me back, we didn't talk about it. It was probably, you know, a week or two later. And for whatever reason, my mentality had changed. But that night I was ready to tell Adam, you know what? I'm walking away. I'm done. I'm frustrated. And I'm really glad he didn't answer. Now, he might have talked me out of it. Probably would have. But that night he didn't answer and I didn't walk away. And then this FC Cincinnati comes out of nowhere. I didn't know about FC Cincinnati when I walked away from the University of Cincinnati. I was just going to start a business and work my tail off to make money and, you know, make this business successful. And about a month or two after I left UC, after my last day, people started calling me and said, you got to find out about this soccer team. Okay. Little did I know that a good friend of mine from UC, two of them actually, were leaving, had left UC and were very quietly in the background working with the soccer club. So I got meeting with them. They introduced me to the right people. Next thing I know, I'm literally standing in now the team president's driveway waiting for him to come home from his full-time job at the Bengals at 730 at night. And he pulls in and we go to his kitchen table and have a meeting. My company does all the video production for the team. We, do, we oversee all the TV production. And then uh, I'm the, now on the play-by-play voice, which is probably the hardest one, you know, to talk him into just because I said, look, I can name me. He said, who are you going to hire to be play-by-play? I said, me. 
I said, wait, what? I said, yeah, it's going to be me. And, you know, now here we are, um, you know, three years later and, and have had a great run together. But it, it's crazy. It starts from the kitchen table and it, it grows from there. And that's where I joke because I'm the executive producer of our television broadcast. But at some point I have to take that cap off and be the play by play voice. And then I have to run fourth floor creative as well. So maybe I have three jobs. It's funny. You know, how do we start this conversation? Working your tail off and having four jobs to get wherever you want to be. Right. Yeah. So I think back to my days when I worked at the University of Akron and I worked at a coffee shop and I dug up my neighbor's backyard and I worked at a soccer center and I did games for thirty five dollars women's basketball with a terrible University of Akron women's basketball team. Um, You know, won 17 games in the four years I was there. But there was a point where I had four jobs. And now I have three jobs again. So it's funny how everything comes full circle. All right, what's the craziness of all that, though? I, I, we'll get into the, like, executive producer and play-by-play all at the same time aspect of it. But, like, the the you deciding you're going to walk away and um, start your own thing. And very, yeah. very quickly, you wind up entangled with FC Cincinnati. So that kind of works out in, in, in that way. But, I mean, to... to to gamble on yourself and bet on yourself that way and take a shot. Um, I think uh, there's probably a lot of us out there that are saying like, man, I'm ready to walk away from this. It hasn't mm-hmm. worked out, et cetera, et cetera. But don't pull the trigger because they're afraid of what's on the other side. Yeah. Um, and I think that's how did the you come reality. to grips with that? Uh, I guess I just was, you know, crazy enough to do it. Stupid enough, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, and, it, and it's funny. And my wife gives me a hard time all the time because uh, early on, I was quoted in a in a story about a company about how she called me crazy when I told her. Well, I was crazy, right? Now, she was supportive and has been supportive since the morning I told her I was starting a business. We had a two-week-old when I went in, you know, that woke up at six in the morning because that's what – or I'm sorry, not two-year-old, two-week-old. We had a two-week-old, 14-day-old baby when I woke up at 6 a.m. after having this epiphany the night before, like, by golly, I'm going to do it, and went and got – my son out of the crib and, and brought him into the bed. And, and, you know, as we kind of all woke up together, I said, Hey, I'm quitting. She said, you're doing what? You're crazy. What do you know about running the business? And I, she was in, again, she was right in that I'm crazy. And she's right in that. I didn't know a dang thing about running a business. And I said, I, I, I don't know much, but I'll figure it out. And again, in case she listens and I'm sure she subscribes, I, she was, has <laughs> been supportive since day number one, to be very clear. But yeah. Was I crazy enough? Sure. And I think you have to be a little crazy. Um, you know what I mean? You walk away from a university job with pretty good benefits um, for a, you know, self-employed job with no benefits. And then that was tricky um, to navigate at times. But you got to believe in yourself. And if you don't believe and I, I think that is whether you are your own boss or you're not, if you don't believe in yourself, you have no chance. Um you got to believe in yourself every day that you're going to work your tail off and it's going to pay off. And sure, the first year we lost half the money we put into this business. Ever since then, we've been profitable. So, um, you know, it's it's working your tail off. It's it's knowing when you get kicked in the face that it's okay. Like you get back up, put ice back on, jam your teeth back in your gums, and get back to work. And, you know, that's the same thing with being ready to walk away from broadcasting. Like I was down, right? And ready to call quits and be like, you know what? All right, I've had a great run. I've done great things. I've, I've been to bowl games, I've been to NCAA tournaments, and this has been awesome, but it's time to focus on something else. But you know what? After I had that little uh, cloud of darkness, I slapped myself in the face and created a new opportunity and couldn't be happier. I've told the president of FC Cincinnati this on multiple occasions, like calling the soccer games for FC Cincinnati 
has been the highlight of my broadcast career. And four years ago, I would have never told anybody that I could imagine that, right? Like calling professional soccer will be the highlight of my career. Yeah, I doubt that. <laughs> Just because it had never been a reality. And now it's a reality and it's, uh, it's incredible. And it's been, you know, a, a joy. We've done 78 games the last three years and it's been just rejuvenating for me. So, you know, that part is awesome. The business is awesome, but yeah, you have to, to, to start a business of any sort, whatever you're going to do, you got to believe in yourself and you got to believe in your contacts and your support system and your people. Right. Um, I've had people believe in the business since day one. The American athletic conference is a great example. They've been, they were our first client. They've been on board ever since and they're a joy to work with. And they took a leap of faith with us and we've repaid them for that tenfold. And, you know, now they're a, they're a consistent client years later. And so you got to have, belief in yourself and you got to have people you believe in and you know again just be just crazy enough to to take that leap of faith what did you do to gain the skill set that you needed to run fourth floor too from the standpoint of like you weren't i mean you obviously were not just a broadcaster at uc you wore a ton of different hats right Um, how much of that uh, how much of that did you know before you got to Cincinnati? How much of that was self-taught when you got to Cincinnati, working with other people? Like, how did you grow in terms of other areas outside just calling games mm-hmm. that created those opportunities for you? Yeah, you know, part of it is, I mean, you know, if, if you're a broadcaster, 99 out of 100 broadcasters are personable people, right? So you're going on a trip, doesn't matter where you go you're making friends at the conference tournament. You're making tons of friends. You're seeing the friends you made during the season, but you're seeing all your conference friends. Mm. Um, you know, you go on the, on the football charter with the team and there's donors on there. And because you're that more public face, you're somebody who they see on the TV shows or on the broadcasts or on the web videos. Like they're like, Oh, Hey, there's Joel or Hey, there's Tommy G, you know, and they want to say hi mm-hmm. and they're local business owners. And so the big thing for me, honestly, you know, part of it was knowing I had the network around the country um, of people, of friends I made at the American Athletic Conference, at the University of Georgia, University of Tennessee, so on and so forth. Right. Where we were able to to pick up partnerships. But, you know, the other part is in, in growing myself was I got to figure out how to be a businessman. I really don't know the first thing about being a businessman. I was at UC for nine years, but I always had an oversight who oversaw any type of minimal budget that I had. So I didn't really manage a budget. There might have been money for us to buy equipment, but somebody else was managing that budget. And, you know, I so what did I do? I mean, literally, I called every donor that I had become pretty close with, either pretty close to very close with. I called every single one and set up a meeting with them. And I think back now, this was, you know, three and a half years ago that I went and met with these CEOs, presidents, general managers of some of the biggest businesses in Cincinnati and sat at their desk. They gave me an hour of their time and I know how busy they are. That's huge. They gave me an hour of their life to try and help me and teach me how to start a business. And I said, I mean, I asked some of these guys for money and they, nobody gave me any, which in (laughs) hindsight is a great thing because I own a larger percentage of the company now. But, um, you know, at the time I was like, dang, they all tell me they believe in me, but nobody's writing me a check. Isn't that a mixed message? Now I get why they didn't write me a check, but not a single one of them was like, are you sure that this is what you want to do? Every single person gave me great advice and told me to go do it. And that's when I knew, all right, I could do this. I also went on Amazon and bought a bunch of books about how to start your own business. Some of the books I liked, some of them were okay, but I got a lot of advice from there too. 
and a lot of things that I hold with me. You know, one of the one of the biggest pieces of advice I can't remember if it was from a book or one of my mentors, but somebody told me very early, like, look, you're not going to just call Ball State and get Ball State. Like first call, you don't get somebody. Mm. It takes ten or twelve conversations before somebody will sign on to do a deal with you. I left UC on May fifth. I met with uh, Xavier University on May sixth, literally the next day, and didn't get a deal with them done probably till October, five months later. And they are next door to my office, like <laughs> stones throw away is a Centos Center and all of their offices. So I was all over them. Five months it took to get a deal done. They are one of our biggest clients now. And we have an incredible relationship with them. When you look at other, uh, you know, other situations, UConn's a great example. We just got UConn on a, on a pretty sizable deal. We're doing football, men's basketball, women's basketball, ice hockey, intro videos for them, and then some other assets. And it took me three years to crack them. I had a really good friend, obviously UConn and UC in the same conference. A really good friend at UConn, and he tried, but it, it just didn't work out for three years. And then he called me in, in late June and said – we're ready. Let's make a partnership happen. And we worked really hard in July and made a partnership happen that that is now awesome. And we're creating great content for the University of Connecticut. Um, but it took three years to get that deal done. The West Coast Conference probably took me two years to crack. And it's a good lesson for anybody that, look, it takes, you know, multiple points of contact in multiple ways and staying in touch with people. You know, how do you how, how do you make friends in broadcast? Right. You stay in touch. You make friends. Hmm. And when someone's jammed up and they need an opportunity or they know of an opportunity, they're going to call you. Uh, your friends are your best network in anything. And so that's been the case in business. That's been the case in broadcasting. And again, you know, going back to the point, broadcasters by nature love to talk, have great relationships. And it's about building relationships. So every day I'm building relationships with people. You know, I was with a client at 730 this morning. Um, when FC Cincinnati won their playoff match, uh, you know, Saturday before last, three of my guys came back to the office at 7 p.m. and were here until 3.30 a.m. working on an epic cinematic recap. That's building a relationship with a client. That's not something that was built into the arrangement. But that's something that, that helps further our relationship with FC Cincinnati and our guys care greatly about all of our clients. And, you know, we're going to do whatever we can to make sure that people are happy. So, um, you know, that, those are the things that I've learned, you know, uh, relationships and then also not to get too down when, when you lose somebody, um, we've lost a lot of deals with people who I thought I had, or I thought we might get, or never call me back. And I don't lose a lot of sleep over the people that we don't get. I lose sleep over, over finding ways to make sure the videos we deliver are awesome and are spectacular and people love that's the key i want you to get the video and run right down the the hall to your boss or to the ad or the head coach and be like really excited to show them if that's the case mission accomplished one school wrote us back about the women's basketball intro we sent them the other day and she was like well i got goosebumps so that's a good sign right <laughs> absolutely if i can give you goosebumps or i can make you cry we did our job and I've definitely looked at some of yours and been like, ah, how do you do that um, in the past? So yeah. tip of the cap well, there. I appreciate it. Yeah. yeah. Um, at what point did you go like, all right, this is cool. Let's start executive producing television too. Huh. <laughs> well, you know, I, there wasn't a point where I ever was like, you know, I talk about how life like just kind of transforms. Um, you know, there was never a point where I thought, especially in, you know, the, the goal of building the business wasn't to – get into television production 
you know, the oversight of it. But again, you're building a relationship with FC Cincinnati and a later conversation with the team president. We're sitting at breakfast eating chicken and waffles. I think they call waffles and chicken with the particular place we were at because the waffle came first. But either way, we're sitting there eating breakfast. And as we're going through all the touch points, and, and, and honestly, I thought, you know, for FC Cincinnati, I thought we're just going to help them get off the ground and launch. And maybe there'll be some little projects for us here and there. And now we're their primary video provider. But in our continuing conversations, after we knocked their socks off at their launch in 2015, uh, you know, a team president, he's like, all right, you know, we have certain requirements for streaming. We have to stream four cameras. You know, we got to do it at this quality, blah, 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 blah. I don't want to just stream. I want to put every home match on TV. Can you help me? And I said, absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been involved in putting some TV deals together and obviously done TV play by play. Yeah, sure. We can do that. And he's like, OK, you know, what's your plan of attack? Blah, blah, blah. I said, well, I have contacts. Let me call some people. I'll start getting bids on trucks and we'll go from there. And I mean, literally it grows from sitting there at breakfast where he's like, can you provide this service or should I enlist somebody else? This is 2000 October, maybe of 2015. Did you ever think like, maybe you should just enlist somebody else because I'm going to say yes, but I really am not sure how I'm going to actually put this together, but you know what? I'm just going to say yes. and We'll go from here. Nope. Nope. You you better figure it out. Right. Um, I had somebody come I mean, uh, not to, to stray from the executive producer, but you got to, in, in this business, you figured out, I had somebody come to me and say, I want 3D imagery of what a Kroger store could look like. If we build these like space age register contraption things and these new shelves that change prices and all this stuff digitally, we want to know what that'll look like. I can't go into Kroger, take a picture of it and tell some guy to like make it look cool because it doesn't exist, right? It exists in this guy's head only. So he gave me all his drawing. I found a guy who could create it. And we, we delivered these high-end images to Kroger. Then that guy took to ask for the funding to create these space shuttle registers. And so, no, you got to figure it out, right? Mm. That's how I look at it. Um, so I knew enough, and I have enough friends in the television business in town, and I called a guy who ended up being our producer and was like, Dave, give me some thoughts on this, that, and everything. And he did. And now he's our producer and director for all our broadcasts. Um, you know, so you lean on your friends uh, for advice. And you know where to ask questions. And, you know, you have to know absolutely where to draw the line and not get in too deep because you don't want to ruin a relationship. But if you know enough to be dangerous, you can fill in the blanks pretty easily. So take me through uh, producing a broadcast. What's your job? Let's say FC Cincinnati plays tomorrow. Um, yeah. What are you up to? So my job is to coordinate and and put together all aspects of the broadcast. So, you know, first step is to make sure we have a truck, make sure we have a crew. Fair, yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, so I'm coordinating all that, whereas, you know, you you if you're just doing a play or play, you prepare, you you talk to the producer, the director of graphics and say, Hey, I want this, that, and other thing. But you you aren't you aren't setting up the crew and finding out who the engineer is and how transmission is and making sure the transmission window is open and so on and so forth. Um, also part of my role because, you know, why not? I also traffic the matches. So, you know, two days before I have to send in traffic instructions and make sure all the commercials, I have to make sure all the commercials are on the server for the TV station. Um, you know, so those are all the things that go on before we even get to match day. Then when we get to match day, I got to be at the stadium six hours before to meet the truck. I have, I have the keys to the castle. So I unlock the booth. I open all the doors. 
make sure that the crew can get everywhere they need to be, make sure their meal is scheduled, make sure they have snacks. I go to Kroger and pick up the crafts and, you know, the snacks for the crew, uh, bottle of water, all of that. And it used to be the first year I would sometimes stay at the stadium. Sometimes I'd go home. I have two young children, so it's kind of distracting when you go home. Um, and then last year I kind of got to, I realized, you know, when I stay at the stadium, I get a lot of work done. So usually after I get the crew in and, and squared away at the dock and everything, I'll go up to the booth and then I go back to play by play guy. And I'll sit there and, and do the, whatever remains of my play by play prep. Uh, somewhere in there, I may have to deal with um, some executive producer type type things. If we're having any difficulties with transmission or, um, you know, the truck. But fortunately, we have a really good crew that by six hours before, um, things are generally pretty tightened up that they don't have to involve me and they can let me be a play by play voice. And from there, you know, I do my prep, uh, my broadcast partners show up, I, I meet with them. Then we go to the team meeting 90 minutes before. We're very lucky the head coach allows us to come to his team presentation 90 minutes before the match so we know exactly what the game plan is. Yeah, that's wild, by the way. <laughs> yeah, it's it's definitely not uh, common in sport, <laughs> period. And, you know, we have a coach that understands the value in that, not only from our end, but from his end. Because we can explain, you know, without giving away secrets, we can explain what they're trying to do today. And... Uh, you know, last year, there's a perfect example. They they went through a set piece where they knew our biggest center back would be open on the far post. And they told him, they said, Harry, you get one shot to head this ball in. Because if they see you sneaking in after that, they're going to know that we saw it on film. So you got one shot. Don't blow it. Hmm. And literally like the fourth minute, it was against Tampa Bay. Um, he's sneaking in far post. And you hear my call and I say, Harrison Delbridge is sneaking to the far post. Because I knew it was coming, so I was keeping an eye out for it. And whoever took the corner kick crossed it perfectly, put it right on his head, and he buried it. And I had a great call. It's probably one of my five or six best calls because I knew exactly what was happening. And, you know, if it doesn't work out, I don't say much about it. But it worked out, and therefore the call was better, the broadcast was better, and we're able to explain, you know, kind of what the team saw and and why that goal was executed in the way – that it was. So, I mean, I, I think coach very often for that type of access and, uh, you know, it also gives us an idea too, is the team tense? Are they loose? Whatever it might be. We just played two playoff matches. The first playoff match, everybody felt very tense. Um, you know, we may not come out and say exactly that, but we'll, you know, we'll, we're able to tell the story. And I think that is, that is important. So there's a lot we hear in there and see in there that maybe we can't share. Um, as, as you know, from having inside access to teams, but uh, there's a lot that'll make the broadcast better. And so we do that and then we come up and rehearse and grab a little food and off we go. Um, what are you worried about outside play by play during a game? Like, I mean, do you have yeah. stuff swirling in your head about a, from a production standpoint or is, I mean, I know you kind of alluded to the fact that once you get there and get going, you're able to kind of retreat to where you want to be, but yeah, how many other places does your mind jet? It, Rarely jets elsewhere. Um, it, it it does on occasion, and I try really hard. I've gotten a lot better, I'd say, in three years of not not getting caught up in what's going on. Um, you know, finally this year, I think we laid out a communication pattern that if transmission goes down, like, don't call me. <laughs> I cannot talk. 
we are still doing a broadcast. So don't, please don't call me. Cause then even if I see my phone ringing and I know it's a transmission partner, or, you know, the TV station, like then, then you're throwing me off. Mm. Um, I pay uh, one of my employees to be in the booth with us every day. So we, and they have that contact number and they have the engineer's number down the truck. So sure. Do we have some issues this year? Absolutely. But they called the engineer or they call my booth contact first. And one time, you know, being you could tell people moving around behind you. Yeah. One time I turned around and, you know, I had one of my best guys in the booth and I could tell the look on his face that something wasn't right. But you know what? I got to call a match. So I turned around and just kept going. Like, there's literally nothing I can do. We're in soccer. You call basketball, we're going to timeout every four minutes, five minutes. <laughs> yeah, you're not going to timeout. No, we got one break. And I think at that point we were already in the second half. So, like, there's nothing you can do. Um, so you have to not kind of revert to executive producer and and deal with any issues that we had after the fact we had a game we lost 40 minutes of transmission in the second half and my crew dealt with it it was nothing they could do it was elsewhere that it happened and then of course after the game i had to deal with it and you know tell the team president what happened because he's going to get tweets and you know messages and, and find out you know what's going on so i had to provide a message for him and 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 get caught up on the situation but I would say that, uh, you know, I've gotten pretty good at blocking out the other noise because you have to concentrate on the game. There was one game, the vice president of tickets showed up in the booth. He doesn't come and visit me during games. Very good. He's one of the guys who brought me to FC Cincinnati. Mm. So a very good friend. Our wives are very good friends. It was very late in a very close game. And he is like pale white when he comes in the booth. And my family's at the game. And I, I thought my wife said she was sitting near his family. And I was like, oh, God something happened and I looked at my phone and had a ton of messages from my wife and her friend that she was at the game with. And one of my sons had fallen and like cut open his face, Mm. his gums really bad. And they were wanting to take him to the ER and she was waiting for me to be done with the game. And he can't tell me that though. You know what I mean? He's just look, because again, this is a soccer broadcast. There are, there's no break until it's over. So we got through the end of the game, score a goal at the very end to win, and literally we go to break, and I tell the producer, I will be back in two minutes. I will not hear you for two minutes. Mm. And I took the headset off, and Jeff brought me up to speed on what was going on with my son. You know, he's like one and a half at that point. And um, he brought me up to speed. I put the headset on. I said, Dave, make this, make this post-game segment. As, I got to go. Make this as fast as you can. And once we got into highlights, like I told Kevin, I was like, you just have to carry highlights so I can text my wife. And I texted her and we finished highlights. I said, good night. I put the headset off and I literally, and Jeff took me right to the room where they were being held. And we, and my car, you know, fortunately is nearby with the TV truck. We jumped in the car and went to ER. So, you know what I mean? There's those things um, that happen, unfortunately, uh, you know, during broadcast. And, but I would say in my three years, I've gotten really good at blocking out um, whatever else is going on in the booth. Because my job at that point is to do play-by-play. I could deal with and And that's why I have a really good producer, too. Because I know he's going to manage any issues we have during the games. Let's talk about the physical play-by-play side of it now, too. Yeah. Um, because, I mean, obviously you've talked about you've done soccer and you had some soccer background. But if anybody would have said you're going to be an MLS soccer voice, okay, sure. Um, yeah. How, no, how did right. you, now that you, I mean, now that you're going to be the voice of an MLS soccer franchise, um, how have you gotten yourself up to speed to not just call a 
good soccer game, but to be like, because I, I know you're one of those guys that will look at it and say, like, listen, if we're going to be an MLS team, this has got to be an MLS major yeah. major league quality broadcast. Uh, how did you approach not just being a good soccer announcer, but, but making sure you're putting forward uh, a great soccer call? Yeah, you know, it's uh, it's the same way you get better at calling basketball, calling football, or any other sport that uh, may be presented to you, right? Finding friends who are doing it, talking to them, talking to players, talking to coaches, and listening and, and soaking up every broadcast you can find. And, you know, fortunately, there's a lot of English Premier League soccer on. There's <laughs> Buddhist League soccer on now. There's a La Liga available i mean the beauty of 2018 is there's a lot of channels to watch and listen <laughs> to soccer and and i and, and and remember now i'm kind of wearing uh, half of each of my hat as i'm watching part of it's from production value part of it's from you know uh, a broadcast and a play-by-play value but yeah. it's it's looking at um okay how is this guy calling a match and watching like i watched world cup matches so differently this year and had no rooting interest which probably helped but uh, to watch those matches and listen to, uh, you know, the broadcasters. And I applaud Fox for putting John Strong in that position uh, as an American, not going with a foreigner. And well, trust me, I have an Irish broadcast partner. I'm not <laughs> saying that foreigners should not be calling American soccer. But if you want to truly grow the sport in America, you need more American announcers, right? So that it sounds like you and me when the broadcast is on. And sure. again, that's nothing against foreigners and nothing against really good foreigners who call matches really, really well. But I thought putting, putting John Strong and Stu Holden as the lead broadcast team for Fox for the World Cup in 2018 was telling. And, and hopefully a sign of growth for broadcast of soccer. So to watch all those guys and reach out to as many as possible and pick their brains on what works and what doesn't work and I think then feel it out you know, for the last three years and figure out what things have worked for me and, and haven't worked. Do I have to emulate John Strong or do I have to, to emulate JP or, or somebody else who's, who's calling the games on a very high level? Not necessarily. Um, but there's definitely things I can pick out of their broadcast that I think they do really well and then put my own touch on it. And that's something that I think uh, I've accomplished at a high level and, um, you know, been able to connect with the fans and and tell the story for three years. Because calling soccer is not like calling um, basketball or American football or baseball or something else. It's a it's a bit of a different beast. And um, at the same time, you know, I'm not someone who feels like I have to call it full blown English. It's OK to call them a team. You know, it doesn't always have to be a club or a side. You can call them locker room. You can call it a dressing room. You can call it a pitch. You can call it a field. Cleats or boots or whatever else. You, like, don't, have, you don't have to say Cincinnati have one. Uh, that's one that I haven't figured out yet. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, I probably will say has in those in those situations. And there are probably people who curse at me when I do. Um, and it's tricky, right? Because it's FC Cincinnati, and it, it's become the orange and blue. That's not an official nickname, but that's something I called them at some point. And we'll continue to call them. It's a secondary name or whatever the heck you want to call it, you know. But, um, yeah, that's the, you know, the the plural versus singularity of the team name is, is something that is figured out. And it's interesting as I've learned and, and we played MLS teams in U.S. Open Cup matches that, that teams are pretty clear about how they want to be referred to. So um, I've seen in game notes, Major League Soccer game notes, where they point out, you know, that it that we are a singular entity or 
a plural entity if they don't have, um, you know, a nickname and many of the teams do not. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's something that I think you just kind of have to, to feel out, but it's also the type of deal where, sure, you, you pick your friends and your colleagues' brains and say, hey, what am I doing well? Ask for feedback and uh, how can I improve? So um, it's, it's not any different to the way that you or I would get ready for a basketball or a football game. So how do you call a good soccer game match? How, how um, do you call it? Yeah, what's unique to soccer and, and what, what kind of freedom does it give you? Because you can be on the air for two hours and not have mm-hmm. seen a goal. Um, yeah. How do you make things interesting? How do you weave stories? How much action do you call? Obviously, there's the TV radio balance. How much action do you have yeah. to call? Um, hit all those pointers we, there for me. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's an it's a, it's a interesting um question because and we have done for full clarity uh, a television radio simulcast for all three years and i think we will continue in that fashion um some mls teams do it that way some guys who i've talked to in the last few months believe that it's impossible to pull off i think soccer lends itself to a hybrid of types um it's almost like hockey that way yeah because um you can have a conversation and not miss a lot of action. And on radio, you're like, okay, they're talking about, you know, Potty Bard, how he stepped in as, as a starting center back and his story and coming here from Ireland, so on and so forth. And now it's back into the midfield. You know, I, I don't give the score a lot, but I probably give it a little bit more because I know we're on radio as well. So you can't see it, but it's also easy, easy to weave it in to a corner kick and say FC Cincinnati's, you know, searching for an equalizer here. Um, that lets you know they're they're trailing by a goal. You may not know if it's four to three or one to zero, but you know they need a goal. So um, I try to to weave some of those things in. I, I mean, I listened to a collegiate game. My friend is a is a coach, um, you know, for a college team, and I listened the other night, and uh, the the guy was calling the game by himself. And uh, for soccer, and I've done it by myself. Uh, soccer, I think it's very difficult to do a match by yourself. To have a partner who knows the game so well, and you know, I'm lucky to have someone who has coaching experience, has professional playing appearance, was an All-American in college, and he he sees things that I don't see. Now, there's some things that I see that he's taught me in the last three years. Uh, you know, I, I I saw a form in a change in formation in a match this year, and said it before he could, and. <laughs> It was like the proud Papa moment. <laughs> you know, he was so proud of me because I recognized it like right away of, of how they were changing. FC Cincinnati had an injury. They were short a player because of suspension. And the way that I was able to, to recognize what the coach changed to in, in a matter of seconds was, was awesome. It was awesome for me because it showed my growth, right, Yeah. in the sport. But you don't have to describe every pass and every moment. Um, you're going to say names a lot. So you don't always have to say the first name. Uh, but, but a lot of it is keeping it conversational and, uh, you know, figuring out, you know, what are the right goal calls the, this year, you know, candidly, I, I, we did road games, not all of them, but some of them from the studio. Uh, I, I like most, most broadcast traditionalists hate the Remy model. Mm. Um, it is a big part of broadcast now. Uh, I mean, there were World Cup games that were done from the studio in Los Angeles, uh, you know, so it's a cost saving measure, but it's not the way I love to call a game. And we had a game at Ottawa and we had a player score 
incredible goal from midfield. I only have the produced game angle. I didn't know the goalie was 30 yards off his line because he wasn't in frame. And when our player hit the ball on a volley from midfield, my call was very underwhelming because I really didn't know what was going on as if I had been at the stadium. That's interesting. And I got torched on Twitter by fans who were like, really? That's all you got? Like, that might be the goal of the year. And I wanted to be like, really? Do you know I'm sitting in a spec? You know, we don't talk about it. Yeah. I want to be like, you know I'm sitting in a studio watching it on a 50-inch TV. <laughs> just like you at your, on your couch. So, like, to see that play transpire, I mean, it literally went from a goal kick headed off to our player who struck it on a volley from just across midfield. You don't anticipate that. If you're at the stadium, you might anticipate it a little bit more. But but watching it on a remote-type situation, you can't. And uh, so, you know, but, but again, you got to feel out your goal call. You don't want to go over the top on what's an average goal. Um, so it's a... Uh, it's been an interesting process, but I think it's uh, finding finding your your pattern and your conversational style with your broadcast partner, and you know, uh, learning the sport as well as you can to be able to relay to the fans kind of what's going on is uh, is a big part of it. What's a good goal call? Like, are you one of those? Like, I, I mean, I've I've heard goal calls from you, but how do you? How do you balance the like holding the word goal that I feel yeah. like we come to expect in soccer? It's interesting because I think I did a little bit of that more the goal <laughs> the first two years and maybe not as much this year. There are guys who who like to hold the name right, where like a Ledesma, or they'll repeat the name multiple times, and that's fine. And I've probably been there. Um, uh, I fell into a little bit of there it is because it's it's that moment you're waiting for right mm. like that's everything you're building towards is is that goal and so at times a little bit of there it is or we've had some some big moments against big teams in in games that I've called and it's varied I try to tell you how they hit it uh, we had a big one in a, on a penalty kick and um, we had, we had a goal in that match last week too and uh, Corbin Bone. Brings them to their feet. I mean, we had a, a, a really nice crowd, and, you know, again, you're painting that picture, right? You're trying to tell people what's going on. So I, I haven't, I don't think, developed a standard goal call, and I think that's okay. Um, I think it has to be your style, just like it's your style on a three-pointer or a touchdown. Some people do the exact same thing every time, and that's great. And some people don't, and that's okay, too. Um, how do people follow you, FC Cincinnati, Fourth Floor Creative, yeah. uh, everything else you're still doing. Uh, what's the best way to keep in touch with Tommy G? Yeah, I think uh, social media, you know, we're we're all over there, whether it's the company. You can find Fourth Floor Creative on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, behind the scenes of what we're doing. Um, and then, obviously, we let our videos fly there, too, once they come out. Myself on Twitter, Tommy underscore G, uh, very active there. Instagram, O3Gs. That's where all the kids are these days, right? Instagram, of course, obviously. Instagram. So Instagram is where I got to be my broadcast partner, not on Instagram. <laughs> um, uh, our sideline reporter uh, and I just have been shaming him all season. So we're trying to insta shame him, I think, <laughs> to create an account. I've, I've started a big ruse that uh, 
I think, I think I told him that MLS broadcasters have to have Instagram accounts. So he should probably just get one now. That's funny. Um, so, uh, we're trying to get him on Instagram, but, uh, yeah, Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter, you name it. I don't do Snapchat. Somebody told me Snapchat's dead. I don't know. I've never done Snapchat. I have not been uh, on it since they reformatted it. Okay. So there you go. If, if Joel is not on it, then it's dead. So, well, I've I've uh, since found out that our entire basketball teams all use it because we, yeah, but. You there know, you go. Whatever. Well, the kids are. Yeah, I guess I'm not, if you I'm want not a kid anymore, I guess. Yeah, don't, don't, don't come find me on, on Snapchat, but uh, I'm, I'm there on Twitter, and, um, and, and then of course you can follow the club on there as well, and FC Cincinnati and all the great things. We have a rebranding announcement coming, uh, in a couple of weeks that that we're obviously working on a big video piece for, so that'll be coming, and then expansion draft and super draft and everything in between. Uh, it's going to be an exciting few months leading up to March when, when we play a major league soccer game, which will be incredible as well. All right, that is Tom Gallerter on PXPCast. If you want to extract one overarching lesson from what you just heard, too, to a certain degree, in this industry, but, but in any industry, in any walk of life, in any craft, in any job, in any pursuit, at some point you have to bet on yourself. And Tommy went all in on Tommy G. Like, all in. Like not only put all the chips on the table, but like took some chips from some, from some other people and put them on, and put them on the table. He's like, "You, we're, we're going on black here, and we're rolling the wheel. Um, put your chips on. We're, we're riding." Uh, he he bet big time on himself, and he won big time. Fourth Floor Creative has become an awesome company, um, and his affiliation through that with FC Cincinnati has been awesome. Uh, obviously for FC Cincinnati, but also for him and the people that uh, work in his employ. Uh, It's a really cool enterprise to have seen grow over the last couple of years. Um, So bet on yourself, take that shot, believe in yourself, and good things happen in this industry and in all walks of life. Tom Glairder, our guest on episode 126 of PXPCast. If I am still alive next week, we'll have an episode. Um, But I got a ton of video board work to crank out for basketball. And, uh... Midweek Maction is coming. Coming, it's here. Like, I've got football games on Tuesdays. Uh, I've got nine broadcasts over 15 days in several different states starting Tuesday of next week. So, sleep optional. This podcast, not. We'll have one for you next Friday. Download it. Subscribe. Back here. Hit it, Marshmallow. We are out of time for today. This is PXP Cast, and we're out. That will do it from St. Louis, where the score is inconclusive.